and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always, just a little bit of entertainment. How are you this week? Have you embraced that autumnal feeling or are you holding on to the summer vibes with both hands just like me? Well, I can tell you, we picked some weekend for our Ring of Kerry adventure. It really was like cycling in Majorca on the day. The conditions were simply superb. Sunshine, blue skies, minimal wind, and we had a great crew. The 175k flew by. The route was one that has been on my to-do list for a while, so I was thrilled to finally get it done. All the winter swifting and miles outside over the past few months definitely paid off. I also managed to get the 13k swim for Cancer Care West completed with over half of the swim done in less than seven days at the end of last month. My arms were hanging off me by the end of it, but to be fair, it was a very productive end to the month of August. Now this month, we are hosting a couple of events in partnership with Galway City Council as part of Bike Week 2021 from the 12th to the 18th of September. Our Monday Zwift Spin hosted in partnership with Team RWB and also Oliver Harkin of Primed Coaching, which takes place on the 13th of September at 7.30, will feature guest rider, professional triathlete Chris Mintern, And we'll have a host of prizes to give away on the night. So come join the spin and the chats. You can try to beat Chris on the sprints if you dare, but you can also get to ask him some questions about his journey in sport. On Wednesday, the 15th of September at 8pm, we'll host a bike-themed virtual live show with former pro cyclist and current leader of the 2021 National Road Series, Dara Feely, who will be joined by Cycling Connacht's women's officer, Stephanie Carr, and a few other guests yet to be confirmed. The virtual show will cover areas of interest for new and experienced cyclists looking to maximise their enjoyment of their chosen cycling discipline. From endurance cycling to bikepacking, gravel and mountain biking to road racing. If you have an interest in cycling, whether you are new to the sport or looking to improve, this session will be well worth tuning into. We'll also be holding some competitions across our social media for a wide range of sporting prizes. So be sure to follow us and to check out www.trytalkingsport.com for links to sign up to the events and find out more about our Bike Week activities. Speaking of Bike Week and cycling, it would be remiss of me not to mention and congratulate Katie George Dunleavy and Eve McChrystal on their incredible performances in Tokyo. There were lots of inspirational performances and results across the Paralympic Games for Team Ireland and beyond. But for me, Katie and Eve epitomise the essence of dedication, commitment and humility in sport. Their double gold and their silver medal, testament to their hard work, blood, sweat and tears over the past few years. This week's guest, professional triathlete Ellie Salthouse, is no stranger to dedication and commitment in sport. Taking up triathlon at the age of 11, the 15-time middle distance champion from Brisbane, Australia, has been delivering sizzling triathlon performances across the world in recent years. Already this year, she has had a clean sweep of wins from her six race starts and she is not finished racing for the season yet. Splitting her time between her home in Australia and her adopted home in Boulder, Colorado, the former ITU athlete and youth Olympic silver medalist almost gave up on the sport when she fell out of love with it, taking six months away completely to pursue other interests. But it wasn't long before her love of the sport and all it embodies saw her return with that burning desire to be the best in the world, even stronger than ever. 
seeking the help and coaching support of Siri Lindley, who soon oversaw Ellie's pivot to middle distance racing, she has been paving her way to the top step of a world championship podium ever since. The vivacious 28-year-old has her eyes firmly on the World Championship prize and with the Ironman 70.3 Worlds taking place in St. George, Utah this month, the podium is within touching distance for this steely determined athlete. I really enjoyed this episode. Ellie was lots of fun to chat with. Salt house by name and salt of the earth by nature, the future is bright for this sparkling athlete. Enjoy the show. Ellie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I am really excited to have you on today's show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited too. So Ellie, where are you? At the moment, I'm in Boulder, Colorado um, at my US training base. And I'll be here for another couple of days before heading off to St. George, Utah for the 70.3 World Champs. So you've kind of been jetting all over the place, really, because you are just back from the Collins Cup and then you're heading to St. George. But tell me, what's the difference in temperature between Boulder and Utah? I imagine it's quite a big difference. Yeah, so it's in the high 30s still at the moment during the day. So it's pretty warm. And here we're about, well, we get up to about high 20s during the day in Boulder at the moment um, with the mornings and the evenings pretty cool. So it's going to be a little bit of a stark contrast when we get to St. George. Ooh, I hope you have lots of sun cream. (laughs) Yeah, lots of sunscreen. And luckily I like the heat, so I think we'll be fine. (laughs) And do you race well in the heat versus racing well in the cold? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a much better racer in the heat. Um, I think coming from Australia, I've just got used to that growing up racing in Australia. So yeah, I much prefer the heat than the cold. But I think with St. George, it's unique because the mornings are actually quite cool. Uh, so race morning will start off very cold and it'll most likely be a wetsuit swim and then it will warm up as the day gets gets along. Before we start jumping into your recent racing endeavours and adventures, bring our listeners back to your background in sport. How did the young Australian from Brisbane end up in Boulder and now end up chasing a world championship podium in St. George? Yeah, well, I started uh, triathlon actually at 11 years old. So I uh, was a keen cross-country and track runner when I was younger. And then um, I just saw on the back of a cereal box an ad for a local triathlon, a kid's triathlon, and asked if mum and dad would sign me up. And they did. And and I really enjoyed that. Found a local kid's triathlon coach um, just in my local area. And yeah, I guess I was 11 years old and then just progressed through the ITU ranks and then into the uh, ITU junior. And um, and then uh, I, I started working with Siri Lindley, who's my current coach, and she lives in Boulder, Colorado. So that's how I ended up here. Yeah, I mean, every summer I come back alongside Siri for the summer months and then I go back to Australia for my summer months. And I guess the progression has led me to be a podium contender at St. George. Yeah, it's incredible really to look back at your career. I know you've given us just a a very, very like 30 second synopsis of your background in sport, Um, but you have had some amazing highs in your career to date in sport. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very proud of the achievements I have to date and hopefully I have many more to come. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, uh, well, I guess in the ITU, I kind of look at my career as the ITU stage and now the, the half distance phase. So I guess the highlight probably of my ITU career would be the two uh, Youth Olympic silver medals that I have um, and a couple world 
World Cup top 10 finishes. Uh, but then I guess my half distance career so far, I've got 15 wins uh, to my name and uh, earlier this year, the Australian long course title. So I'm very proud of uh, each of those wins. 15 career wins so far. <laughs> yeah, in the half distance. Yeah. That, that's just madness, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> are, are there any other athletes, maybe outside of Daniela Reef, that might have that same level of success at the half distance or indeed in triathlon racing over that period of time? Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty certain there's a few athletes that have got 15 to 20, but I'm yeah, I'm not exactly sure of of who or exactly how many. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a, an achievement that I'm very proud of. You did go to the Youth Olympics twice. So were you on the pathway for the Olympics as part of the ITU? Yeah, so that was the goal originally was uh, to compete for Australia at the Olympic Games. But unfortunately, uh, my goal had to shift uh, when I kind of came to a crossroad in 2015 and I decided that I wasn't getting the um, reward for the effort I was putting in out of ITU racing and I really wasn't enjoying it anymore. So that's what, what led to the switch to the half distance for me. When you talk about not getting the reward, is that a case of you're training your heart out and just not seeing the results across that particular distance? Exactly right. I just wasn't seeing any, uh, well, the results uh, on the race course that I should have been seeing for the training that I was putting in. Um, kind of falling out of love with the sport a little bit um, when when you don't really achieve what you know you're capable of. It must have been so frustrating at the time. Yeah, definitely. Very frustrating. Um, and it, it was a huge moment in my life, a very pivotal moment where I was able to reassess everything and I had to basically reassess all my goals in triathlon and decide even if triathlon was for me anymore, whether I wanted to walk away and try something entirely different. It was a big moment, but a moment that needed to be had. Look where it's led me. Absolutely. And for those six months, Ellie, that you kind of took off and took away from the sport, what did you do that was different? <laughs> to be honest, I walked completely away from triathlon um, with no real intention to come back. And I decided that I wanted to study, so I did my personal training certificates. I started back at uni. Um, I'm still at uni at the moment, but I started my degree uh, in uh, nutrition, food and nutrition. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just was in the gym a lot and trying to just keep things interesting and do things that I enjoyed that were different from triathlon. And that made me really miss triathlon because it made me see that I still had unfinished business in the sport. And that brings me to the next question. So what is it about triathlon that you absolutely love? I think it's the triathlon family. And for me, I'm a racer. And when I don't have that that racing uh, as part of my life, I really miss it. And I think I need that to keep me grounded and keep me working hard. Um, and I need big goals. Um, one of those people that just needs to chase big goals. Um, so I think but triathlon gives me that. Um, and, you know, I really love it. I do. And I have loved it since I started at 11. And I think just taking that time away really made me miss it. And every time we see you race, we see you smiling. <laughs> Maybe at the finish line. <laughs> I know. We've seen, trust me. <laughs> we've seen you smiling, you know, the pre-race smiles, even if you might be nervous. You're always yeah. seem to have this bubbly, vivacious personality that just seems to smile her way through the difficult periods 
Well, I appreciate that. But yes, before and after, I'm always smiling because ultimately I love what I do and I'm very lucky and privileged to be able to do it. Uh, but I think the smile is more of a grimace during the race. <laughs> we call it a smile and we leave it there. <laughs> so that you took the six months away, you walked away from triathlon and then you hooked up with Siri Lindley, who seems to have completely changed your career together. The two of you have completely changed your career. Yeah, definitely. So when I took time away from the sport and decided then that I, I wanted to come back, uh, I contacted Loretta Harib, who was my idol growing up, and she happened to be Siri's best friend. So that's how I got in contact with Siri. Uh, and then we met and uh, I knew that Siri was the coach that was going to help me achieve all my dreams in the sport. So uh, I started with Siri as an ITU athlete and competed for two years as an ITU athlete, but then got to another kind of crossroad at the end of 2015 um, where Siri encouraged me to try the half distance. Um, so I did. And then I guess in January of 2016, that was when I won my first half distance race. Um, and obviously when you're winning, you start to enjoy things a little bit more. Um, so yeah, Siri's really turned my career around and, and made me find that love for the sport back and that hunger to be the best at the sport or the half distance, I guess. So I'm very, uh, very grateful to her. What has changed in your partnership with Siri over the years to achieve the successes that you have now that you weren't having when you were in the ITU circuit? I think Siri just really understands me and we have an amazing coach-athlete relationship. Um, and I think Siri has stood exactly where I want to be. She's a two-time world champion, so she knows what it takes and she's She's been through this. She's done the work that's required. So I think knowing that and, and for me, I understand that that she gets it. So I think that's really important to know that Siri has been where, where I'm standing right now and she knows what it takes. So I have this unbelievable trust in the work that we're doing and the relationship that we have. And I think that's important that you mentioned the word trust in the relationship because too often we can align ourselves with a coach and our goals might be the same. Yes, they may be in principle the same, but ultimately that partnership between athlete and coach is hugely important. Yeah, definitely. And I think Siri is 1 million percent invested in my dream as well. So I think that's really important to find a coach that your dream then becomes theirs as well. So I know how invested she is. So, you know, together we are both all in and I think that makes for a really powerful partnership. How much of your daily thinking is focused on becoming a world champion? Oh, everything, every moment of every day. There's nothing that I don't do that doesn't align with that goal. It's always on my mind. It's been on my mind since I was 11 years old and started triathlon. I've wanted to be the best at the sport. So becoming a world champion, is, is it consumes my thoughts daily. And you mentioned earlier that you are somebody who's driven by big goals, and this is certainly a big elephant uh, <laughs> of a goal. So how do you break down the goals to make them achievable, to eat that elephant and become the world champion? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a huge goal, probably, you know, the biggest goal that I've ever had. Um, but I think I have achieved the small goals along the way. So this is basically the next step for me. I've worked really, really hard and I know that to be able to 
to be at this point, I guess. Um, so I, it's not without the smaller goals along the way that I've got to this point, but um, I've ticked all the boxes. I've done everything I need to do. And, and basically I, I know that I'm in a position where I can be a contender in St. George. So what does a typical week of training look for you then as you aspire to achieve that goal? Um, it's about 20 to 25 hours a week um, of training. And at the moment, it's a bit less because I'm coming into obviously taper week next week. Um, so we'll start to taper off a little bit this week. But yeah, in my biggest weeks, it was 25 hours. Um, so that's obviously spread across swim, bike, run, and then two gym sessions a week as well. Um, and then uh, massage and recovery, all that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's pretty well a full-time job when you look at it like that. Absolutely. And I know you've come from a cross country running background as a kid. So is running your favorite discipline or would you be swinging towards the bike or the swimming at any point? Yeah, running's definitely my favorite. Always has been. Um, I have struggled throughout my career with a lot of injuries. So I think running can be the most heartbreaking at times. Um, but I guess for me, it's still my favorite. I feel like there's such a sense of freedom with running. Um, and I love the fact that really you only need running shoes and you can run anywhere in the world. So I really enjoy that. It's, it's just, you know, um, low fuss uh, discipline. And yeah, literally you can explore so much of the world just by running. And as an athlete, you certainly have explored many parts of the world across your ITU racing and indeed uh, the racing at Ironman 70.3 distance level. So tell me, what's your favorite place in the world to race? <laughs> I get asked this a lot, actually. Oh, do it's, you? It's a hard one to answer, yeah, because I've obviously been to so many places. Um, I guess we're traveling for triathlon. Like I have been to a lot of places, but I haven't seen a whole lot. Um, obviously, with the pre-race routine, you sit in the hotel for quite a bit, relaxing and resting, and then you race, and then usually you're out of there. But I obviously love racing in a home crowd. So I consider Boulder 70.3 probably one of my favorite races um, just because it's my second home here. It's so beautiful and, and Siri gets to come and watch as well, which is really special. So Boulder. And then is there any other place in the world that you'd love to go back to race? <laughs> I've been lucky enough to race in the Bahamas, actually. So that's, <laughs> that's probably one of those places that I would definitely love to go back. Um, but I actually I was fortunate enough to race in Estonia when I was racing uh, ITU. And for some reason, I just fell in love with this little city, Tatu, uh, where we raced. So I would like to go back there. I'm not sure if I'd want to race there again, but maybe for a, a vacation. Um, it's it's beautiful, kind of old, old historic village. So, yeah. Hmm, I'd probably take the race in Estonia and the rest in the Bahamas. Oh, there we go. That's <laughs> both worlds. I'll do that. That might be the best of both worlds. And um, yeah. have you ever have you ever been to Ireland, Ellie? I haven't. I need to go to Ireland. Um, I actually have some Irish friends, so I would love to go and visit um, and and have a tour of Ireland. I've I've seen and heard beautiful things. Oh, fabulous! And you know we have a full distance Ironman race in Ireland in 2022. You might have to come over, although the weather might be a bit cold for you. Oh, you might have to twist my arm to get me to do a full <laughs> distance. Maybe I can spectate. Well, actually, no. You know, you know, you know what? You could race the 70.3. You could do your debut Ironman. You haven't done oh. an Ironman yet, have you? No, never. Yeah, do your debut Ironman in Cork, in Yall. You can spectate the Ironman 70.3 the day before. 
Oh, perfect. There we go. Or do vice versa. (laughs) Race the 70.3 and then rest up while everybody else is racing on the Sunday. Perfect. That sounds way better. That sounds much better. I'll spec the Ironman, race the 70.3, and then we'll go on vacation. You can show me the the sights of Ireland. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say we're going to go on the Guinness for two days afterwards. I know Mike (laughs) Riley will be going on the Guinness and the whiskey. Right, date in hand with in the diary. I will email you after the show about coming to Yeah, Ireland. look it is. Awesome. Sign me up. Lovely stuff. Well, listen, back to the uh the conversation for today. Let me see where was I going with the next question. Um talk me through what it was like standing on the start line of your very first middle distance race. Uh, to be honest, like obviously I was extremely nervous because I had never done one before, so I guess that the nerves of the unknown I didn't have any expectation from either myself or anybody else because obviously being my first one no one knows what to expect from me um so I guess the first one may have been the easiest one for me to in terms of you know mentally conquer um it's once I started getting a little bit of a name for myself in the 70.3 that then the pressure and the nerves uh become a little bit Uh, more so obviously at this point in my career going into the world championships knowing that I am in contention for a podium position um, there are a lot of nerves and and I am feeling a bit of pressure at this point Um, but it's good pressure and you know I love racing with nerves because it means that I care and it means that I have something to lose so I think it's really important that I'm I'm feeling these these things at this point and they really drive me and really um, helped me get the best out of myself, I think. And would you say that the pressure that you feel going into a race like that is pressure that you put on yourself or is it external pressures that you feel other people maybe are putting on you? No, I think it's entirely for myself, um, purely because I race for myself and, you know, the pressures that other people might try and place on me really are insignificant to the pressures that I put on myself. Um, I feel like, I put pressure on myself because I know what I'm capable of. Um, so it's only pressure that is justified. Um, and I know that I can deal with that pressure. So, yeah, I, I feel like any external pressure to me is kind of insignificant going into a big race because ultimately I'm racing for myself and my team. So that's what's important to me. And after 15 career wins you've had so far which would you say was the most hard earned title and why Ooh, um most hard earned title um I think to be honest there was one race in Boulder 70.3 in 2016 it came I was leading all day and then it came down to Jeannie Metzler passed me with 800 metres to go and I stayed with her and it came down to a sprint finish at the end of the 70.3, uh, which you can imagine after a four and a half or four hours 15 on, on the race course, it's uh, not very fun to have a sprint finish at the end of that. So I think that may have been probably one of the, the harder earned race wins. And then another question with regards to the wins is, which one are you most proud of? Oh, most proud of. 
You know, to be honest, I get asked this a lot, but I think I am most proud. Of, well, there's not one particular one that I'm most proud of. I think for me, it's about being grateful and not taking any win for granted because you never know when they're going to come again. Um, they're so few and far between. So I think I hold them all as, as dearly as one another. So I'm, I'm very proud of all of them. I know that's, that's a bit of a... <laughs> that's a cop out, really. <laughs> True. <laughs> that's just not giving Annie Reese the favoritism over another one. I know, I know. No, honestly, winning is so special no matter no matter where it comes from. So, yeah, you can't take any of them for granted. And when we look at your um, your year of winning, which is what it was, 2021 specifically, you've had five wins from five starts pre the Collins Cup and that added another win to your schedule for 2021. I mean, you literally are on fire. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. But yes, it has been a little bit of a fairy tale year this year. Um, I think I was able to put in some incredible hard work during COVID last year when we were unable to race. So I think for me, that's been that's been huge. Um, and now it's just showing on the race course. So I think finally this year, I am racing to my true potential. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, I get the opportunity to show that off again at St. George. Speaking of COVID, if we look back at 2020 and we look at the fact that you couldn't really travel for racing. There wasn't a huge amount of things happening. You know, what did you do to pass the time away when you weren't training? Did you take up any hobby? Did you learn a new skill? Did you, you know, learn how to play the guitar or the didgeridoo or I don't know? What did you do? <laughs> uh, no guitars or didgeridoos. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think last year was a lot about doing things for enjoyment. Um, but a lot of like social rides and social runs and things like that just to, you know, enjoy them and to be able to spend time with uh, friends doing things that we enjoy. Um, I played a lot of mini golf, actually. <laughs> so I kind of enjoyed that. Um, we did a lot of open water swimming with the pools being closed, obviously. Um, and I am studying at the moment. So I got quite a bit of that done. I was able to take up a few extra subjects while I had a bit of extra time. So yeah, no new hobbies as such, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, spent a year doing things with family and friends that I wouldn't typically got, get the opportunity to do uh, when I'm in a hard training block. Brilliant. And you're also the mini golf queen. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Let's talk about your most recent racing, the Collins Cup and the build up and the racing and what it was like actually being on an international start line once again. Yeah, I mean, the Collins Cup was an incredible experience. Obviously, being the inaugural one, no one really knew what to expect, but the PTO never do anything by half. So we knew it would be incredible. Um, so, yeah, everything about the experience was uh, nothing short of amazing from the week leading in with, you know, media and interviews and uh, things like that. We, you know, they had covered all bases to make it incredible for us and to get the most exposure for us um, as athletes and as an event as well. So uh, I guess being on an international start line again was a bit surreal. I mean, not many people have that opportunity at the moment. So we all felt very lucky to have that. Um, we obviously had a lot of COVID measures that we had to uh, abide by, um, which was a bit unusual. But yeah, I just felt very lucky to be back out there. 
um, some of the athletes that you'd interact with leading in, you hadn't seen them in two or more years. So it was, it was a bit of a funny experience because typically we see them every, you know, every three to four weeks at races. So yeah, it was a bit strange not having seen some of them in so long, but just to be back racing internationally again, is is incredible. It wasn't just about being back racing internationally. I mean, a stellar field of athletes was gathered for that weekend in a completely different format to what you normally would be used to in the sense of you're ultimately always racing for yourself. But this time you weren't just racing for yourself. You were racing for your team. Yeah, it was a really unique format and a really unique situation in that you race for the team. Um, so we, I was saying to some of the other athletes, actually, that it was great because I was able to be on the international team with athletes that I would typically never get to be on a team with. For instance, like Paula Finley from Canada. I mean, there's no other opportunities that I would get to be on a team with a Canadian. So, yeah, I mean, it was great. And the format certainly made things very, very interesting. And, you know, it gave it a little bit more appeal to the sport. And uh, it, it allowed spectators to get behind teams and to uh, create rivalries between some of the athletes. So yeah, it was a very unique experience, but I think uh, one that is needed in the sport of triathlon just to inject a bit more excitement. And it's also something different for us as spectators to watch and engage with as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think also people love to be able to get behind a team and support a team. So I think that created, well, the Collins Cup created that as well. So I think they're finally uh, figuring out a way to give triathlon the the uh, attention that it deserves and create a platform that, that people are excited about and excited to watch. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned rivalries there uh, mm-hmm. when you were talking about the race. And I want to ask you briefly about the rivalry between yourself and Holly Lawrence. We actually got quite a few people contacting me uh, following the social post we put up last night that you were coming on the show. What's the deal with Karma's a bitch comment with you and Holly Lawrence? And that came in from Jen Daly on Instagram, just one of many that came in. So give us a little bit of an insight. What happened with Holly Lawrence pre Collins Cup? <laughs> I knew this was coming. Um, <laughs> of course you did. I couldn't not ask the question. I know. It seems to be hot on everybody's list at the moment. Um, so in Worlds in 2019 in Nice, the 70.3 World Champs, um, we were out on the bike course and um, according to Holly, I cut in on her early on in the bike, um, cut in front of her uh, within the draft zone in front of her. And so then when I was, unfortunately, I got a mechanical issue and my gears cut out and stopped working and I ended up on the side of the road, Holly yelled out to me that comment, um, which I didn't at the time know what it was for because I didn't realize that I had cut in, cut in on her if I did. So uh, I held that with me for a couple of years, actually, until the Collins Cup where I found out the reason for the comment. Uh, which didn't really make it any nicer or sit any better with me, but that that was basically what formed the rivalry. But, I mean, Holly and I are great friends off the race course, so I wouldn't say that it's a rivalry. It definitely got... Um, uh exaggerated through this whole process <laughs> a bit of media frenzy around it. nothing like a little bit of um competitive rivalry no more than Jan and uh, Lionel Sanders 
Exactly. I mean, I think any exposure is good exposure, as they say. So maybe maybe it's a a good thing. Who knows? But yes, it was definitely uh, built up for the media. (laughs) And can I ask, I know it must have been disappointing for Holly uh, to crash at the Collins Cup, but was it disappointing for you not to get the battle royale really that you might have expected to get on the run course between the two of you in that particular match on the day? I know Sky was there as well, but was it was it disappointing in a way that she wasn't there that you could have the head-to-head battle? Yeah, definitely. As soon as Holly went down, I was very disappointed. Um, I was really hoping to have the the foot race that everybody was hoping for. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was very disappointing that we didn't get that. Um, and, you know, it didn't really feel like a win in terms of this rivalry that we have. So because obviously like a crash doesn't really uh, – you know, it doesn't really count as a win. So um, I was disappointed with that. But, um, I, you know, I guess I'll still take a win for Team International and myself. But I'll be back. And uh, I'm sure the rivalry is not done between the two of us. <laughs> and can I ask, Ellie, were you happy with your performance at the Collins Cup? Did you feel you achieved everything you went in to do in terms of what you delivered on the day? Yeah, I was happy. Um, I basically went in with the, you know, I have a job to do to win to win my match and that's what I did. So I was happy with that. Um, obviously, the big goal um, is Worlds in, in a couple of weeks. So I, I didn't want to burn all my matches there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I went in, I did my job and I was very, very happy with that. So will we see a showdown between you and Holly in St. George? <laughs> I'm sure you'll see a showdown between me and a, and quite a few other women as well. I don't think anyone's going to uh, lie down without a fight at the world champ. So it's going to be very interesting. So will this be the first world champs since the disappointment in Nice? It will be, yes. So I am looking forward to finally putting Nice behind me and moving forward with something I can be very proud of. You mentioned earlier that you suffered a little bit with injuries. Um, how do you deal with injuries and, and disappointments like what happened in Nice to, to come away from it, not happy with how things have unfolded on a race day or maybe not performed as well as you would have liked? Um, how do you do you deal with those things? Do you get upset? Do you get angry? Do you go and race harder the next time around? Or, you know, how do you mentally prepare for the next race? having had a disappointment or an injury maybe, or how do you work through those injuries and, and that's time that you're sidelined? That was a real convoluted question, but you know what I'm asking you. <laughs> well, yeah, I think injuries and disappointments are very different. I think with disappointments for me, it's I give myself the rest of the day to be upset and disappointed and then I move on and I try and find the next available race and put myself on the start list and just move on, get over it and basically get back on the horse. Um, I think that's really important um, not to define yourself by your last race either. So, yeah, getting myself on the next available start list is is the best way I can overcome a disappointment like that. Um, But in terms of injury, obviously, you have to give that time. Um, You've got to give it the time that it needs to heal. And then you've got to give yourself time to get fit and healthy again. Um, So I think, yeah, injury is one of the hard parts of this sport and any sport really. Um, but I think you have to keep a focus on a big goal. And for me, obviously, that's world. So um, every time I have been injured in the past, you know, I've just kept my eyes on this one big goal and I know that it's all going to be worth it. 
Um, and you can only really focus on the things that you can control. So with an injury, obviously rehab and, you know, fixing things to prevent it from happening again. So there are quite a few things that you can do to be proactive um, to ensure that you'll be in your best shape when the injury is healed. And can I ask, Ellie, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made going into a race? Oh, biggest mistake? Um, oh, that's a good question. Have you ever been asked that question before? I've never. No. (laughs) Finally, a question you haven't been asked before. Yeah. Biggest mistake I've ever made. Um, Oh, gosh. I can tell you the biggest mistake I've made in a race. (laughs) That might do. That might work. Um, Well, actually, it was an ITU race and I mounted my bike with a flying Superman mount, which went horribly wrong and I ended up swinging one of my legs into my front wheel into one of the spokes and broke two bones in my foot and broke two spokes on my bike and needed surgery to repair my foot so that was uh probably one of my bigger mistakes <laughs> ouch yeah on so many levels ouch yeah well, you obviously couldn't race then Uh, I couldn't finish. No, I ended up in the hospital in New Zealand. So not ideal. Uh, And then obviously I ended up, you know, rehabbing my broken foot. So yeah, it was a a very costly mistake. (laughs) Yes. Ouch. On many, many levels. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take you back to your childhood a little bit and ask you, were you studious in school were you like a top achiever always got your homework done or were you last minute.com trying to scramble to study for your exams no actually in school I was very studious I really enjoyed school to be honest and I was a very high achiever um it wasn't kind of until grade 12 when I my final year in high school when I started traveling a lot that It wasn't that I didn't get the work done, but I got a lot of exemptions and a lot of extensions. And (laughs) uh, my school was very, very good about uh, ensuring that I had ample time to get everything done. So, but yeah, I know I was a very high achiever and I was a uh, perfectionist through all through school. Um, So, but I guess now that I'm at uni, uh, things are, you know, uni's not my top priority anymore. So it does, uh, um it doesn't really get done in a very timely manner (laughs) but your swim bike and run training gets done in a very timely manner oh always that's the top priority (laughs) that comes first over everything absolutely and so what was it like moving away from home at a young age because I know you moved away quite early when you were on the ITU circuit you were very young to be moving away from and Australia so far away from Europe um that you were quite young to be leaving home yeah, so at seventeen, uh, at eighteen, sorry, I moved out. I moved to Spain um, to an Australian training base in Victoria Gastes, uh, just for four or four or five months in the summer, uh, and then I would go back home for the Australian summer. But yeah, it was really difficult to be traveling alone and traveling. I guess you know at such a young age on the other side of the world and learning to live out of home and in a, in another country. Um, it was difficult miss home a lot um which did make it a little bit hard to focus on training I guess but with ITU you basically race every every weekend or every second weekend so you don't really get time to think about those kinds of things Mm. because you're always on the road and 
now that you're what 28 are you 28 now yeah 28 what do you miss most about Australia oh my family for sure (laughs) yeah I really really miss uh, my family and friends back home uh, when I'm on the road but uh, I'm incredibly lucky to have a good community here family friends my coach so you know coming here it's great because I get to spend time with with my American uh, network and then when I go back to Australia obviously my family's there so um, yeah I do miss them a lot but they try and get over uh, at least once a year to see my world champs Um, unfortunately my family can't travel this year because of COVID but yeah hopefully I'll be back soon if I can so it's it's almost like you have the best of both worlds because you have your triathlon family in Boulder looking after you and you have your blood family in Australia also looking out for you so you really are blessed to have both communities looking out for you and supporting you exactly right yeah I do I feel like I have a home in both places now so I'm very lucky that's something that a lot of people couldn't say that they had so yes indeed uh, very lucky Ellie can I ask you if you could give yourself any advice if you were starting out again in the sport of triathlon what would it be it would be not to rush and to just enjoy the process. I think when I was a younger athlete, I wanted everything done yesterday. And I was just in a rush and had this urgency to achieve all my dreams, you know, within the year. So uh, dreams take time and a lot of hard work. And I wish I could go back and tell myself a younger version of Ellie that, you know, just enjoy yourself, enjoy the process. And uh, yeah, just you know, take time to soak it all in and not rush through it. And if you hadn't taken that journey after the six months off to come back to triathlon, what do you think you'd be doing as a career now? Oh, to be honest, uh, I think I'd probably be a dietitian. Um, That's what I'm studying now. And it's still ultimately what I would like to do eventually after triathlon. But it always has interested me. So I think I'd probably do something along those lines. And Obviously, sport is a big part of my life, so I'd, I'd like to think I'd still be very fit and healthy alongside working as well. We are coming near the end of our chat, but we do have some questions that came in over social media. Deirdre Kelly uh, in Galway wants to know, do you prefer Colorado or Australia? Uh, I prefer Australia. Um, it's, it's warm, definitely warm in the summer, which I love. And obviously, like my family uh, and my close friends are there. So you can't beat that. Australia will always be home to me. And then we also got a question. What do you eat for breakfast? Now, I wonder, do you still eat Weetabix? No, I don't eat Weetabix anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for breakfast, typically, I have uh, avocado and eggs on toast every morning. Um, but if they are referring to my pre-race breakfast, it is white bread with butter and Nutella and a banana. So oh, yum. Yeah. I love race morning because it's the only time that I eat Nutella. <laughs> you see, that's where we go wrong. I would probably eat Nutella and white bread three days a week if I could. And I don't race. <laughs> I mean, if I could, I would as well. <laughs> Do you have to watch everything that you're eating, Ellie? Do you keep a very tight handle on it or do you let yourself, you know, have a few breakaway days when you just feel like it? Um, I definitely don't track anything, uh, but I like to eat very clean and very healthy um, with minimal kind of snacking. Um, but I like to eat for fuel rather than, you know, for just because. Um, 
So I do let myself have a couple treats every now and again, obviously. So maybe a dessert or an ice cream here or there. But yeah, I'm usually pretty diligent with my diet, definitely. And then Carmel Coyne asks, uh, looking forward to St. George, what are you most looking forward to uh, for the World Championships, aside from the racing? Oh, aside from the racing, I was going to say I'm really looking forward to uh, to the race and the, the matchup that's going to be. I think I'm most looking forward to just being around the atmosphere. I think a world championship brings with it this incredible buzz and atmosphere in the week leading up where all the athletes start coming to town and, you know, they start training on the course together and, you know, there's media commitments and and uh, press conferences and those kinds of things. So I think I'm looking forward to all of that and all of the hype that comes with a world championship. Brilliant. Now, I thought we would get a question from Jay Luke as well, who set up this interview. But for once, he hasn't actually gotten in touch or has anything to say. So I'm quite surprised. I'm feeling unwell. (laughs) Of course, a huge thank you to Jay for putting us in touch. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you, Ellie. Before we finish, and I know you mentioned two of your biggest uh, sporting idols earlier in the show, but who have been the biggest influences on your life to date? Uh, definitely Siri. I'd say she's the the biggest influence, especially on my triathlon career. And then I uh, definitely have to say my parents would be my biggest influences growing up. And they really instilled, you know, all the qualities that uh, I value. Um, so I think, yeah, my parents and Siri are probably the ones that have really got me to this point um, and have instilled everything that that I know and that I am. And my final question for you, Ellie. So when you've achieved world domination and you've won the world championships, what's the next goal? <laughs> to be honest, I was asked this this morning. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I can't see past the world championships at this point. I know there's going to be another goal after that, but one at a time. I think um, obviously the big focus is becoming a world champion and then it might be becoming a two-time world champion or maybe, who knows, maybe that Olympian might get sparked again. So, uh, yeah, one at a time, I think. But, yeah, at this point, I can't really look past September 18. Well, Ellie, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure and a hoot chatting to you today. And I wish you every success with your world domination. I have no doubt we will see you on the top step of a podium at a world championships very, very soon. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's been great to chat. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to connect on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi. Let me know what you think of the show. If you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be both impressed and inspired by our guests. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember as always to look for fun and adventure in every day.